Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast. Today we're taking a deep dive into a brand we've loved for a very long time, Crockett and Jones. You'll know Crockett and Jones as one of the first names in English shoemaking. They make beautiful handmade shoes in timeless styles with true attention to detail and infectious enthusiasm. So a couple of weeks ago, we headed up to their famous factory in Northampton to meet the people behind the brand, from the pattern cutters to the clickers and the closers, and even several members of the Jones family themselves who still run this business after more than 140 years. If you're interested in British craftsmanship, interested in entrepreneurship, or how a historic family-run business adapts itself in the modern age, or, of course, if you just quite like shoes, then we hope you'll enjoy this episode. But before we begin, I'd love to tell you about The Clubhouse, a new kind of private members club brought to you by Gentleman's Journal. Clubhouse members get two bumper issues of Gentleman's Journal magazine delivered straight to their door, full of all those invaluable insights from the worlds of entrepreneurship, style, politics and culture that you'd expect, as well as exclusive deals with a range of partner brands, restaurants and hotels. Not to mention some lovely invitations to some very exciting events across the year. In fact, our podcast listeners, which is you... Now get 20% off a Clubhouse annual membership, meaning you'll get the full Gentleman's Journal experience for just under £48 a year, which sounds a bit like a bargain to me. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. That's P-O-D-20 at thegentlemansjournal.com slash club. Right, on with the podcast. The first person I spoke to was James Fox, the head of marketing at Crockett & Jones. He told us about the factory and its history, and what you can hear in the background behind us is the whir of machines, tools, and busy hands in the shoe room, the beating heart of operations here. James Fox, you don't really do titles here, but you are the man behind the modern brand of Crockett & Jones. I don't think you'll probably like that. But what are we looking at here, and where are we standing? So we're standing in uh, in Northampton yeah. at Crockett Jones, obviously. Um, we are at our Perry Street factory, where we've been for well, nine, 140 years now. Um, it's uh, it's a remarkable building, yeah. Titanic-esque. I think yeah. you know, we just uh, we haven't gone down, which is <laughs> which is a good good thing for all involved. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're, we're actually still in the balcony, so you're, you're overlooking the shoe room and the finishing room, which is, as you can see, a pretty vast room, but it's one of about six or seven departments. Um, this part of the factory actually dates back to 1890. Okay. We were founded in 1879. We started around the corner in a relatively small workshop, two brother-in-laws. They got together, one businessman, one shoemaker, uh, and it was, it was an uprising at the time in the town. Um, and they probably started with a relatively small team and it really escalated quite quickly. So by 1890, we've recently found out, they, they built this main building. So wow. the, the, the red brick famous building that you may, may have seen on our website or yeah, on yeah, our yeah. marketing, uh, we actually built it. And the reason we found that out was the, uh, the, the local architecture firm is uh, also 100 plus years old and they sent us the original plans. Oh, cool. But the current family members, so that Nick Jones and Jonathan Jones, they actually didn't know that. We, we, they thought that we just acquired the building. They yeah. actually built it, um, which I find quite remarkable. So it's fit for purpose. You know, when you when you come through the doors, the Art Deco reception that yeah. was put in in the in, in the 40s, well, late 30s, 40s, it, it just feels special the minute you walk in, and, and you know, and that's really why I work for the business. I'm not, I'm certainly not the modern man, or no, the <laughs> man behind the modern brand, but 
You know, I, I think uh, I walked through the building when I first came into Brock and Jones a, a while ago, and I, and I, I said to my father-in-law at the time, I said, you know, we really need to start telling people about this. Yeah. It is remarkable. I really got on board on the side of the marketing because I, I just, I felt so passionately about the people that work on the factory yeah. floor. Um, I did not know that, that this still went on in the UK. And actually a product like a Goodyear welted shoe was yeah. still being handmade. Granted, handmade by the use of machines, some of them still Victorian, uh, most of them extremely expensive to, to, to maintain. But I didn't know this still happened in the UK. And then when I really got under the skin of what the industry is and, and how few factories are left, you know, you, you, you can't help but sort of feel that raw passion about yeah. this is incredible. Absolutely. You have no idea from the outside when you're looking at a single pair of shoes, the amount of thought and energy and effort and processes and hands that go into it. It's, it's mind-boggling. Well, and I think that's a really important point, is that, you know, I think, I think with footwear, you know, we, we, we make something that is, is, is maintainable. You know, if you look after it, if you care for it, it will last you for years. I've got shoes already that are 15 plus years old. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, we, you don't have to be passionate about it. You've just got to have the mentality that, you know, you are investing in something. Um, and you're not wearing something for six months and then chucking it out. You know, yeah. our, sh our shoes are about worn in after six months. And I think that's, you know, if you are a customer of Crockett Jones, you truly understand that. These products just, they're not just for the business meetings anymore. They're not no. just for the, you know, the, the cane in the top hat, you know, the cobble streets of the city of London. They are for weekend wear. You could argue that a lot of things these days that are really well made are over-engineered. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Our shoes are over-engineered. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of the things that go, go into them, you know, you, you don't see them. Yeah. You don't see a lot of those, the, 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 the components that go into them. And you never will see them. But you, if you wear our shoes, you know, you know they're there. Yeah. Um, and, it, and I think you're going to witness that today. What makes uh, Crockett shoes unique and what's in the DNA that's different to perhaps some of your your competitors down the road, do you think? Our upper leather is second to none. You know, we're, we're placing million pound contracts with the best tanneries around the world. So wow. you, you don't get a second grade material when you're buying Crockett Jones shoes. And it, regardless of, of whether a competitor is double your price, you, you can, I'm telling you now, you cannot get better calf leather that is going into our shoes. Uh, and, and that is just facts. You, you, yeah. you, there is a very, it's very difficult to prove that through marketing or photography. But I would say that a really important part of what makes our shoes as a people Again, you're going to witness that today. And going back to what really makes Rock and Jones different, I would say, better is the wrong word, different, different, stands out, is that we put a huge amount of effort into the fitting of our shoes. Our last development is, without a shadow of a doubt, the, the best in the industry. That development process can only come with experience. And you know, we're very fortunate, because in Jonathan Jones, I would argue we've got the best in the industry. Amazing. You know? Yeah, he, he really is genuinely very good at what he does. You know? Well, let's go meet some of these people, some of the most skilled people in shoemaking. <laughs> Next, we went up to the clicking room, where the leather for the shoes is inspected, chosen and cut. So now we've come up to the clicking room. So as you can see, it's a nice, light, airy environment yeah. up here. Because back in the day, pre-electricity needed to be above the roof line. So we had full sun. Uh, I'm not 100% sure which way we're facing, but I know, you know it, it, it's essentially designed 
floor-to-ceiling windows yeah. for light. And that's because up in the clicking room, we're inspecting the leather skins. We are, as you can see going on here behind me, we are choosing the, the, the skins to a job, so a work ticket that's come up from the factory. With me here, I've got Dan, who is uh, well, one of our uh, leather buyers now. He's, I would say, is our assistant leather buyer. He's happy to be yep. called an assistant. Yes, yes, no, yeah. um, Dan is also a trained clicker, so rather me bore you with what a clicker is, I'll let a clicker tell you with what a clicker does. Dan, what's your, what do you do every single day? What does a clicker well, do? We inspect, well, I'm not a clicker. I inspect the leather now. Fine. A clicker, he looks for flaws, defects in the, in the skins, works out his feetage and pairs, how many he needs to get per skin and it looks at quality as well, yeah. and then cuts away with it. And what sort of, when you say flaws, what sort of things are you looking out um, for? So you've got like wire marks, which are on the skins, yeah. which are natural marks, and you've got your growth, you've got your draw. There's a lot of defects in skins, what they've got to look out for, and hopefully you're not getting the patterns on the shoes. So Absolutely. Don't, don't mess the shoe up in the long run. And where, where does the word clicker come from? What's that? Uh, basically, it's from an old, old saying, when they used to hand cut a lot, yeah. and it was no presses, it used to be quiet and you'd hear the knob clicking as it was coming away from the pattern. Oh, okay. So this is where the clicking has come from. Fine, so yeah. you don't hear the clicking anymore, that's um, an old... If you get next to a hand cutter, you will hear it, but okay. with all the presses, you struggle to hear the noise. Fine. So you can imagine in the old days how it used to just click in here, and that's how it's got the name clicking. Incredible. Yeah. So then what happens with the bits of leather that aren't good enough? Um, it depends on different materials. We have different reasons what we can yeah. use for. So some of it you can use for a binder, some we use for training bits if it's no good, or strap linings, okay. it, it, so it does vary in different sort of leathers what we use bits for. Amazing. And how long have you, you been here, Dan? Uh, I've been here seven years now. Okay. But I've been in the industry since I left school. So Really? Yeah, so 12, 12 years, yeah, 12 years. Okay. Yeah. And what are the secrets of, of Cochrane Jones that James isn't going to tell us? Am <laughs> <laughs> I allowed to say that? No, it's, it's a great place to work for. Yeah. It's the handmade shoes and the quality is, yeah. is above the rest. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. So why did you want to get into shoes when you were leaving school? What was um, what drew you there? Sort of a family tradition. My dad. Amazing. My dad left school. He was he's been in the shoe industry since he's left school. Wow. He's still in it now. So. Yeah. Is he here? Yes, he is here. Yes. Oh, incredible. Yes, he is here. He's working, a dynasty. Yeah, he's working on the linings. It's a different yeah. component in the shoe, but still in the clicking room. And yeah, I started off. As a boy, as you do, sort of doing errands for the clicking room. Yeah. And then I progressed and progressed, and I've got an opportunity where I am now. And I took okay. It. Yeah. So what's the next stage? Where are we aiming for after assistant? Well, hopefully to be a senior level, top boy, which yes, is is a lot of knowledge to learn. And I've got a great teacher, and I work with some great people, so they'll yeah. hopefully fill me with that information. Amazing. Yes. Dan, what a pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much Thank for showing us no, this. No, thank you. Thanks a lot. Brilliant. Thank you. There's two different types of clicking that, that you'll see in the room now. So we've got hand, hand cutting okay. and press knife cutting. Um, recently, we actually acquired a, a, a press knife business. So where we actually used to buy our press knives from, they, uh, they, they wanted to retire, offload the business. So we bought the business, um, employed the staff. So we're actually moving more into press knives because it's far more efficient. Okay. Um, and it's actually, uh, it, it, it's, it really doesn't take away from the skill of a clicker. A lot of people see the artisan of a, of a clicker as using the knife skills, but actually the skill of a clicker is the knowledge of how to best cut and how, how to be the most efficient with the skin. So right, yeah, yeah. You know, what we don't want to see is the inclusions of wire marks, any disease, any 
um, any belly draw, anything like that, um, stretch marks, growth marks, we don't want to see that in the shoes. Yeah. So if you don't know your materials, you know, you're really going to struggle as a clicker. And the training process is long, so we tend to find that you know, the, the, the younger guys, they start on lining leathers and then they, they progress. If, you know, if that's what they want to do and they, they really want to be an outer yeah. leather cutter, there is a progression there for it. Um, but it's, uh, it's a more studious environment. You know, okay. The guys are very much focused up here. They're, they're, they're working on their own and, 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 and they, they, they get absorbed into the job that they're working on because you have to really concentrate as a clicker. Yeah. This is not cheap leather. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so is this the place where things can go wrong? If something goes wrong, it'll hurt you the most? Well, I mean, not, not really because you can recut. Right. You know, even in the closing room, which is the next stage, you, you can recut, you can unstitch and you can recut. But, you know, expensive mistakes come further down in the factory. Yeah. However, some of our materials, some of the antique cuff, you know, if, if you're including some of the growth marks into that, we don't see that in the shoes until they've been fully lasted and yeah. then the antique is, is, is being applied to the shoes. So, it, you know, these guys really need to know uh, and you'll see when, when, when they're handling the leather, they're really stretching the leather with their fingers because they're trying to open up the pores, they're trying to see where those growth marks are. Wow. So they've got to know what, they've almost got to predict what the shoe is going to end up looking like with the material they're cutting. So you, you can save an yeah. awful lot of money here. A mistake it here is easy because you can recut it, but you can save a lot of money in Absolutely. this department. So there's no way you could teach a computer, for example, to do that. This has to be knowledge and now sixth sense almost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they, they, some some brands will use laser cutters. Yeah. They will use um, uh, they, they'll use automated punches and, and things like that. But you know, we we've we've played around with laser cutters and we do have a laser cutter, but we use them more for our patterns. So actually, the yeah. physical cutting of the patterns that the cutters that the clickers cut around. We have, um, we have a CNC router machine and a laser cutter. But, you know, we found that a, a, laser, a laser cutter, the problem is you're, you're essentially treating it like it is a, uh, almost like it is a piece of plywood, mm. you know. Th these are not pieces of plywood. These are, these, these are coming from animals that are, you know, three to six months old. So animals are walking free. They're mainly European calves, so they have, you know, they are outdoors, so they, yeah. you, know, you, you tend to find that they, they're not too close to too many wire fences and things like that. But the, the reality is, it is a living animal. It is a skin. Um, and I, sh I should probably add, you know, because we're not we're not killing Daisy the cow for his skin. Yeah. You know, we we are a byproduct of the meat industry. Okay. So you know, the sustainability element to that is, you know, I would argue we're sustainable because we're a life product anyway. If you yeah. look for it, look after it, it's going to last a long time. But the fact that we are utilising material that, that an avatar would, you know, would toss in a bit. You know, and that, that is a problem for us because being a byproduct, you know, actually the cow would have a much better life if they were they were being used or being yeah. grown for their skins because the skins would end up being perfect. Of course, you know, we all know what the meat industry is. Um, you know, so the, how careful a, a, an abattoir takes that skin off the animal, it sometimes can really affect the, the, cool. the usability of the skin. So, Amazing. But that's, of course, not our problem. That's no. up to tanneries. Yeah. And then they have to try and sell us, you know, <laughs> second grade skins and then we send them back. <laughs> it's not good enough. <laughs> Next on our tour was the closing room, where the product begins to transform like some 3D jigsaw puzzle from beautiful pieces of leather into something resembling a shoe. So the closing room is where we are creating the uppers. So the leather components coming down from the clicking room in you know, 
platform and they will leave the closing room as a three-dimensional upper with the upper and the lining together. Uh, the closing room, historically, this is where the outworkers would have been. So the closing room wouldn't have been here. So as you can tell, predominantly women working in the closing room. Yeah. There's a lot of stitching, sewing, seamstress type work going on in here. Uh, a lot of the women would have been in the outworkers, so the men would have taken the work out of the factory. Okay. It would have been stitched at home. Uh, and actually today, even today, we do have a lot of outworkers going. So we may have uh, ladies who've had children. Yeah. They want to continue their, keeping their skill up. They want to continue working. And then we do still have um, husbands and wives. Actually, our factory manager himself, his wife, is one of our outworkers. Wow. So she's, she's one of our hand stitches. <laughs> the, um, the size of the closing room is important because there's a, there's a, there is a huge amount that goes into uppers, and it, depending on the style, of course. But I mean, well, in front of us here, I'll, 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 I'll pick one up. We, we've got a we've got a pro boot here, which is Isle. Yeah. Uh, this has been in the collection for a, for a long time. You can see this pre antique tongue, but you know, just as the components here, you've got the inside and the outside quarter, the inside the outside counter, the vamp, the wing cap, the back strap. You know, you've got the vamp lining, the quarter linings, you've got um, top eyelets, speed hooks, broguing, and then, you know, that's before I even show you the tape on the inside. Yeah, wow. You know, you've got the strengthener, the backers, uh, and it's just the zigzagging, you know, there's this huge amount that goes into just one yeah. upper, and that's just one shoe. So when you've got a line of 12, there's 24 of these to, to do. So it gives you an idea of actually kind of how long an upper can be in the closing room. But in, interestingly, actually, this, this type of broken shoe, which we, we call a broker broken shoe, up in the clicking room is a dream because it's more like a puzzle. Mm. So they can fit these around the skins dead easy. I say dead easy. You know. <laughs> well, according to Ben, it's easy. Um, but something like um, a Holcott Oxford, Alex is a very famous shoe that we've, mm -hmm. we've, we've been producing for a long time. That's a nightmare for the clicking room. Big caster type, a big vamp, hole cut, just a seam at the back. Yeah. Down in the closure room, that's easy. There's no broguing. Yeah. You know, so there's wins and losses in the okay. factory I where, where one department makes makes it easy. But in the closing room, we've probably got the best part of 120 people working in this one room. And this is where you start seeing some cost saving with some of the other manufacturers. They won't have closing rooms. You know, our shoes are 100% produced in the UK, so we have all of the departments. We even make our own heels. Uh, this is where there's a, there's a lot of cost that goes into the shoes in this room. Yeah. As you can imagine, we have 320 people working in our factory. A third of the workforce is in one department. Wow. You know, so you kind of build up an idea as to how important the closing room is and also what a nightmare it is to run. Yeah. Just in this one room, of the 240-odd, 250-odd processes that goes into a, a, a Goodyear-welted shoe, there could be anywhere between 80 to 100 of those processes just in this one room. Incredible. Next, we met Lisa, one of the many experts on the closing room floor. Lisa, what are you doing right now? This is an incredible looking machine. Uh, so I am putting the eyelets in. Um, and then, obviously, when the shoe is uh, properly made up, we'll get the laces put in. That's, that's right. what they're for. Um, these are what we call blind eyelets. So obviously, that's the... Uh, front of the shoe yeah um, and obviously you'll see the eyelets underneath that's why they're called blind eyelets because obviously you can't see them from the top um, yeah so these it's like a, an incredible hole punch yes that's correct yeah, yeah. And you're, you're doing that all by eye you're not um yes I, I am yeah we have like settings on here all these like tiny little holes yeah um, 
So these are what we call our spacers. So obviously when we start off on a, a smaller shoe, which says say for, uh, size five, and then what we do is when we go up to a size six, we have to move that up because obviously we can we can do different spaces between okay, yeah, each yeah, one. Yeah. So how did you get into this? How did you start making shoes? I come in, um, not here personally, but um, I went into another shoe factory when I was 16 Yeah. Um, and then got made redundant and then I went to Trickers for six months but at the time the, the pay was, was not very good right. uh, and then I came here when I was 20 and I'm now 50, I was 50 last month. Oh, congratulations, well happy birthday. <laughs> Oh, congratulations. Lisa, Lisa, does that mean we pay you too much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not discussing that, years. James. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I've been here 30 years. So, um, yeah, so I, I should know stuff really by now, shouldn't I? You've been pretty worried before I'd be out the door. So, it looks like you know what you're doing. Yes, yeah. It, it, it is quite easy when you know how. Okay. But, um, but yeah, you've got to. I mean, obviously, like, I've got a judge where to start, no one, no, we haven't got markers yeah. for that and where, obviously where we're going to end and then also we've got to make sure that when we've done one side we've got to make sure that it's level. It lines up. Yeah. Otherwise. Because obviously then you're going to have a tab on there that's going to be stitched down. So yeah, okay. so they've got, to, they've got to look level. So here's the golden question. There's lots of beautiful shoes in front of me, but how often does one go wrong? Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, but it is a recut, so that oh. will all have to get be recut if if we do. Sometimes we can clip the edge, um, and sometimes we can sort of put a little bit of wax crayon on there. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm revealing all my secrets now. I could be sacked tomorrow. Okay, okay. Well, um, not. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, but like I say, that's the only thing with us. If we put too many holes in, yeah. then it's a recut. We can't really um, alter it. Or, okay. You know, that's, that's a shame. So it is quite a technical job, or, you know, what a worrying job, okay. especially when I'm trying to train people yeah, and I'm imagine. like, you know, just take your time. Because obviously I'll go quite fast and then trainees tend to try and copy me and I'm like, just slow down, you, you will get there. But yeah. So yeah, so it's quite a nerve wracking job for, for, for trainees. But not um, for you, you look very calm and composed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like I'll do it with my eyes shut, I guess. <laughs> okay, good. I'm not. <laughs> but um, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Well, we won't distract you anymore. But I suspect you could uh, talk and do talk it at the same England. time. Yes, I could. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah, nice meeting you too. Happy birthday for last Thank month. you. We also spoke to Gaynor and Joanne, who really run the show down in the closing room and with the fitters. Gaynor, we've just met some of your staff in the closing room. Yeah. Some pretty shoddy practice. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so so you're the, you crack the whip then. You're in charge. Yeah. Right. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So what's it day to day? You, do, you, do you move about? Are you stationary? Move about all day. Okay. Moving racks, sorting problems. Fine. Um, Staff that are not here, everything. Okay. What kind of problems do you have to, to solve? Um, just sometimes we have work that's wrong. Right. Everyone makes mistakes. Um, just getting them, make sure they're right, getting them back down for repairs. Just 
just every day. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And how long have you been here, Cockett and Jones? 33-ish years. 33-ish. <laughs> okay, wow. And what, what, what were you doing before you were supervising? Um, I've, all, I've worked here since I left school, actually. I've not had another job. Wow. That's so incredible. this is my only job. Okay. But when I first came, I started on stitch marking. I've right. obviously gone over to Lacing, left for a matter of four months. Okay. Came back on Skyving. Fine. And obviously got this job. Okay, good. And Joanne, what, what do you do here? I'm the team leaders of the fitters. Team leader? Team leader of fitters, okay. yeah. And what does that mean? You're overseeing all the yeah. fitting, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think I've got about 11 people all yeah. told. I have okay. to give them their work, and if they have problems with it, I sort the problems oh, out okay. with it and that, yeah. So really, you're, you're running the show? I'm fitting. Yeah, on the fitting? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. We haven't got to fitting yet. How, how would you describe fitting? Is it, is it what it sounds like? We have to glue all the pieces of leather together to make right. sure it's okay for the stitchers. Okay. So they really don't have to concentrate on making sure it's in the right place. We put it in the right place for them before they have to stitch it. Yeah. So it's just, they don't have to worry about that. So Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And what's it like working here at Crockett and Jones? What's the atmosphere like? Okay, as it's moments, <laughs> as everywhere, <laughs> as I suppose. <laughs> and that, but generally I'll get on all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll get on okay, so, okay, yeah. How long have you been here? Um, 14 years this year. 14 years? Yeah. No one says I've been it's here time. six it's weeks. Yeah. Everyone's got a, a good stretch under their belt. I did work here before, but then I had to leave. Someone to look, so no one to look after my daughter. Okay. But then, like, years later, they let me come back, so. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, this room is our preparation department. Yeah. Uh, the best way to think about this room is a factory within a factory. Okay. So rather than buying in every single component that we're using to produce the shoes, we try and produce as much as we can so that we can be in charge of the quality control. Yeah. So behind you, you can see they are uh, clearly skins, leather skins. We've, these are actually hides because they're much thicker. So that what, wow. what you're, yeah. So what you're looking at there is a much older animal. It is half of the skin, so it'll be cut down the backbone. Uh, and this is used for insole material, sole material, and heel lifting. So we also build our yeah. own heels in-house. And they are leather, they are not wooden, as some people might, might yeah. be led to be. Yeah. But the tanning process of sole leather is much, much longer. Uh, the skins are thicker. Um, but they, they tend to be uh, tanned with a solution of bark, um, the, the, the natural oils in the bark, uh, mm. they really toughen up and, and they tighten fibres in the tanning yeah. process, but it is a lot, much longer process to tan. Awesome. You think uh, a leather sole takes some real, you know, real abuse yeah. in the rain, dry, drying process. Uh, you know, we, we, we try and put the best possible quality into the soles as we can. Of course, yeah. today, more rubber soles are being used, you know, left, right and centre, which yeah. is it's actually good for the factory because they skip a department, but you know, with this this particular department here, is uh, we're, we're we're cutting a little bit like up in the clicking rooms, like some almost like oversized press knives, which you're seeing there. Um, Mike, there, he's he's there. The heel list, so you yeah. can see them cutting out, stamping out heel shape, and uh, they then get trimmed later on in the process. Then we met Steve, who has been at Crockett and Jones for 17 years. Steve, what do you do here? What's your what's your job? Making heels. Making heels. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll pin the, the top parts to the to the lever parts, the rubber right. parts to the to the lever parts. Yeah. Lifts. We 
we call them. The lifts? Yeah. And how long have you been doing that? Uh, I've only been doing this uh, a couple of months now. Okay. I've, I was in the basement before getting orders out. And Fine. Been about a bit, but okay. <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Not that sense. And yeah. How, so, how long have you been at Crockett then? Seventeen years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Seventeen years. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It is for me actually. Yeah. In yeah. what way? It's the longest I've been in a job. <laughs> so, what keeps you coming back then, year after year? Oh, it's it's mind it. I don't mind the work. People are all right. <laughs> you know, I'm happy with the wages. It's, okay. It's quite happy. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite, you know, content with it, really. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But that's as good an endorsement yeah. as you can get. Yeah, no, well. <laughs> Next, we met Martin, a sole cutter down in the preparation room. How long have you been here, Martin? 20, 25 years 25 plus, years. yeah. Wow. Yeah. You've lost count count by the sounds Yeah, yeah, I've lost my hair as well. <laughs> so what's your role then? What are you doing today? Uh, just uh, sole cutting. Just cutting the soles of the shoes and um, all the, um, the other bits and bobs that go, yeah. bits and bobs that go on the, on the shoes as well. Okay. Um, yeah, just, yeah. Do people tend to move around the factory, go from different departments or do they, um, they kind of specialise? When I first started here, I, I was, I was, cause it, as you know, it's, it's all bits, all changed now. It's all. Uh, I was doing some work over the other side, and then um, I eventually moved onto this. What I'm doing now, and I've been doing this, yeah, for quite a few years now. So, yeah, yeah. So the presses then were down the back in the basement. Believe it or not, okay. all this was literally all this here was literally down the down the basement. It's unthinkable, really. But <laughs> that, yeah. Nice to be yeah. above ground. Yeah, yeah, a lot, lot lighter. And all this, believe it or not, all this leather, we used to handball with a lot, lot of it downstairs. It's wow. incredible, yeah, yeah, incredible. How it's, um, yeah. And how hard is your job? Everyone seems to tell me that their job is, is a breeze, very easy, but I suspect they're um, just really good at it. I mean, it's, it's, how do you put it? I'm about saying to, you, you have to know what you're doing. You, yeah. can't, you can't just, you couldn't just put anybody on here and do, because yeah. it's, it's quite select cutting, isn't it? You have to be, quite selecting what you're cutting and then obviously all the leather here has to be got booked in and all the paperwork go upstairs so all that's all that has yeah. to be done so yeah but yeah but you can't yes yeah, it's, it's quite select cutting so you have to know be quite diligent yeah. and what, what you did that's a good word isn't it diligent yeah diligent, yeah, diligent yeah, okay. yeah so yeah so yeah be quite diligent in what you're doing and um, yeah but um yeah it's pretty good pretty, pretty good. good yeah yeah are you a race horse owner yeah, me and Darren down down there. Uh, really? Well, we, well, we call it a race horse. It's, <laughs> it's more of a donkey, I think. Okay. Right. What's yeah. it called? It's called um, Tambourine Girl. Wow. It's, yeah, yeah, Tambourine Girl. It's it's literally we just got a. It's literally just trained owners. Yeah. It's last few races. It's come. It's got gone backwards rather than going the other way. So <laughs> it's trained owners. Yeah. So yeah. No, just just a little thing we. We've done so, yeah. Me okay. and Darren down, down, That's the, good yeah. Fun. yeah. It keeps something different, isn't it? Yeah. Some, some hobby, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll yeah. look out for it at the Grand National. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'll get, I'll get you a shout. <laughs> In the lasting and making room, the shoes begin to take on their signature Crockett and Jones shape. 
last thing is putting the toe shape in to the to the shoes so what yeah. we're doing we're pulling over so we're tacking on at the back and we're pulling the upper over from heel to toe okay uh, so a last is a signature of a shoemaker so it's the it's the toe shape that a consumer will look down and see day after day uh, but it has a lot more technicality to that so it's the fitting character characteristics which ultimately Know, if a shoe's uncomfortable, you're not going to come back and yeah. buy it. You're not going to wear it. You're not going to enjoy it. So it's where a lot of the, the, the foundational work of shoemaking goes into it. So we're very confident about our last. We have been for many, many years. Um, after the last thing, you get to making, which is the uh, bottom making. So that is essentially sole laying. It's Goodyear welting. So that's the, the namesake of the process yeah, that we're yeah. using. Um, and then you come around to rough rounding, sole stitching, and then we go into the finishing room. But what we'll do is we'll have a chat with Barry, who's the supervisor of the lasting and the making track. He's a great guy, um, and he's worked with us for a long time. Amazing. Cool. So, Barry, what do you do here with Crockett and Jones? I'm a production supervisor. Okay. And what does that mean uh, day to day? I look after three rooms. Yeah. Yeah, the last in major, the prep room. Fine. And um, well, how long have you been here? Thirty-one years, wow. I think. Yeah. Okay. yeah, a while. Yeah. <laughs> There's never a short career at Crockett Jones. Oh, here we go. We've got a lift coming out behind us. Sorry. Yeah, we'll go out here. We'll go out here. Um, what did you do when you started here? Um, took the tax out. Okay. Yeah. You <laughs> start on the basic line. All the incels are tacked on, and yeah. I basically, after they've been lasted, the tax have to be taken wow. out, and that's what I do. Okay, amazing. Would you ever work anywhere else, or is this...? No, I've worked... I worked in a jewellery shop, and I also worked in engineering. Okay. Before I started here. But you prefer this? Uh, yeah, it's, well, I can't, I can't man. I've been here 30 years, so yeah. I can't dislike it that much. <laughs> Absolutely. And you wear Crock and Jones today? Yes. Yeah, you have to be. You're yeah. the first person I've seen on the floor with a pair of formal shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm wearing Pembroke. Pembroke? Yeah. Beautiful shoes. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, very What's your favourite styles? Uh, mine's probably the Tepri. I love okay. them, yeah. I do like the Chelsea, the original Chelsea's. Beautiful. Yeah. Then we headed into the finishing room where we met Bob, who knows everything there is to know about putting the finishing touches on a pair of Crockett and Jones. So, Bob, what goes on here then? This is the uh, finishing room. It's basically the penultimate department in our yeah. finishing process. It starts with the attachment of the heels and then goes through the department, finishing off the edges and the soles to right. give them a complete finish. So then they can go into the showroom uh, and have the uppers dealt with. Okay. Or worked on, if you will. And how long have you been here? Uh, my association goes back 30 years. Your association? Yeah, that's the best way to describe it, yeah. No, I mean, I had a brief break in between, but uh, yeah, yeah. for about 16 months, but 30 years, basically. 88 was I started. In the scheme of things, though, that's, that's you're a newbie, based on some of the people we've met. Compared to some, yeah, some are on 40 and 50 years, and yes, yeah. What's the I don't feel like a newbie, but yes, no, I know what you mean. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> What's the longest anyone's ever been here? This is a tangent. 50 years. It, 50 well, years. It's, it used to be 50 years because you used to have to retire at 65. So if you started work 65. at 15, well, at 15 back in the 60s, yeah, yeah. Uh, then you could do 50 years. Wow. My father did 50 years at a, another shoe factory. Amazing. So he, from start to finish, he was in one place. Okay. Fine. Almost on one machine as well. Yeah. So uh, what, what did you do when you first got here then, 30 years ago? 
Well, I had previous experience in, uh, in another shoe factory doing various jobs. And when I came in here, I worked in the preparation department and slowly uh, moved through the departments. Yeah. Uh, hopefully because of my skill levels, but maybe because they didn't want me on there. Um, <laughs> Uh, to progress to a supervisor level. Right. Yeah, yeah. So here you, you've got to have an exacting eye for detail. What are you looking for, really? Well, what we're looking for is, obviously, because we deal with high-quality shoes, you've got to make sure the edges are finished to a yeah. precise manner. Uh, and uh, we then ensure that then they can be moved into the following department and not have any more work done to them. So the, the edges have to be nice, clean-cut, finished, shape that's required to, by the customer, and highly polished. So they, they, they look exactly as you want them as they come out the box. Okay. That's the plan anyway. Right. Yeah. And if not, they get sent back and uh, we... There'll always be a certain amount of remedial work because, yeah. you know, the, the shoes are handled heaven knows how many times through the factory. And especially once you put a polish on the sole, then it's very easy to pick up finger marks or damages from the racks or just general misuse sometimes. Yeah. Uh, this have to be remedially put right. But 95, maybe... 98% of the work go through without any problems at all. And how, you know. how many pairs of shoes a day are you finishing? We're looking currently around about 650 pairs a day. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, it varies, you know, depending on how workflow goes, you know. Yeah. It, but around, we're about 6, 650 at the moment, I think. Okay. That's about, about what we're looking at. That's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of shoes. A lot of, well, 650 shoes is, well, times up by two because it's uh, a pair. <laughs> they're, they're pairs, you know. So, you need a pair. Yeah, that's a lot of handling. And Absolutely. consider each department, say, for example, uh, this department alone, it, the shield will be picked up around about 20 times. Yeah. You know, just just for my department, that doesn't count every other department wow. up and down on racks. It, it's quite a lot of operations, as you've probably witnessed already. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So what what is it about Crockett and Jones then? What's in the DNA that you think is special? I think the specialness when you come here, once they recognise you have a skill set, yeah. they will they will stay loyal to you, and that loyalty will be rewarded by keeping you not just employed but giving you comfort in knowing that you have a, a job for life yeah. as long as you uh, perform to the standards that are required absolutely you know so loyalty is what it's really all about right. very family-based or a family-based company yeah. and they, they do focus a lot on family and that's yeah. not just their own family they're talking about people within the department you probably witness that there's members of lots of members yeah, of family within that. the factory you know yeah so yeah so do you think you'll be here another 20 years when we have a half got, century? Well, it's nice to think that I've got 20 years left in me, but uh, I've got 12 years to retirement. I don't envisage going anywhere okay. else, unless they have all their ideas, of course, you know. <laughs> sure they don't. No. Awesome. Bob, thank you so much. You're very welcome. After this, we headed back into the shoe room, where the skilled inspectors ensure the products are up to Crockett and Jones's exacting standards. We are now in the shoe room. Yeah. So the shoe room, you would expect is something to do with shoes and you wouldn't be wrong so here we're we're now finishing all of the uppers yeah uh, so this is where you know if there is a mistake we find it it's an expensive mistake it's an it's an unfortunate mistake we're actually we happen to be stood next to yeah. one of the substandards so all of these shoes oh, really? here yeah these, these haven't passed production so oh, okay it's yeah. quite a lot yeah so usually we run at about two percent of yearly production yeah. um where the pass is here all of these ladies and gents around here, these are all passes, so they are looking, they're fine, they're inspecting the shoe against the work ticket. Fine. They're looking, if it says it needs a double row stitching, they're making sure that double row stitching is, is there. Um, you know, and it's, uh, it is a painstaking process um, yeah. that we've really upped on. Since, since we've become very, very big in, in Japan, especially over the last 10, 10 15 years, you know, we've, we've, we've increased the size of our, 
quality control. Um, we have customers in Japan, uh, wholesale customers in Japan, that X-ray our shoes. Wow. Um, so it really goes to the, the end of the room. What are they looking for there with the next They're looking for rogue nails, um, wow. you know, anything that, you know, can potentially cause, you know, serious issue to, to, to a customer. And, you know, we don't X-ray them here ourselves, but, you know, that we still have to have those standards yeah, because they are being X-rayed. Um, and of course, all the European and US customers, they benefit that anyway, because we are, we, we are past standards, because we, yeah. we know how, you know, what an eye for detail that the, the, the Japanese have. And, yeah. and it, it being a, a well-respected brand in Japan has really just heightened us all within the company. Um, but day-to-day -day in the shoe room, so what, what, what percentage you're looking at here, the, 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 the shoes will come into the shoe room, the last will be slit, the heels and nail from the inside, the then all of the upper leather is cleaned, free from any contaminants that may have got onto the shoes, any marks from the clicking, uh, from the closing room. Then we are polishing and burnishing, so antiquing and burnishing. Yeah. It's quite a long, painstaking process uh, that that really just has to take time. It's not something you can rush. So, for example, you see over there. That's a that's what we would call the the, the full brogue over there, which is yeah. my hang grade collection. So I'll just tell you what that process roughly to finish that shoe. We would class that as a crust leather, so it's come from the tannery with absolutely no finish applied to it whatsoever, just some basic dyes inside so you can see that it's a tan, a light tan colour. That will probably have three layers of antique and in between each layer of antique it will go away to be burnished. We burnish the shoes to give it a depth, a little bit like um, uh, finishing yeah. furniture, so it kind of brings that natural grain out of the leather. They then go upstairs to our hand polishing department and they will be given a, a gentle glassage, so, or a high shine uh, in the army, it would be a bull, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so you kind of get this uh, sort of, almost this gleam, this high shine off the shoes, which really does make the leather look fantastic. Yeah. They'll probably be in here for two, two and a half weeks, just loan that one rack wow. of shoes. Next, we met Nick Jones, a member of the Jones family, of course, and the production director at the Crockett and Jones factory and, as you'll hear, a very keen farmer. So Nick, production director, How's must be tough at the best of times, but obviously, last couple of months, running a factory. Unprecedented. I'm six, word, 69, yeah. and in my life, I've never seen anything like it. So March the 23rd was when we stopped. It's been flat out since. Yeah. We worked through, we came back on June 15. Right. And I've worked, and the family's worked, and this workforce has been phenomenal, phenomenal. Throughout the lockdown, I could count on the palm of my hand, one hand, the problems of a 250 workforce. The rest of them being fantastic, old and young. We help them out, they've helped me, and we've got a great atmosphere, we're going for it. As you can see, we're trying to social distance, but we can't do everything. No. Everybody, we've tried, tried our best to get through a crisis, yeah. and touch wood, at the moment we're succeeding. So what have been the hardest bits then, do you think, so far? I think it's, the, and it still is, it's the uncertainty. Yeah. All my life, you know, I farmed before, and my brother here, we plan ahead. Mm. We've sat down throughout this last three months, my brother and I, for hours and hours, planning. And every time we do a plan for the next month, we don't know where it's going to be. Yeah. We are dependent on sales coming from retail. Yeah. We're down 61% last week. So we're trying to plan ahead. It's very, very difficult. So today we're driving out orders. That's why we're rushing around to get out from Japan. In a month's time, we may not have any. No. So we're making stock, we're making new stuff for e-commerce. 
So it's the uncertainty in the planning, and it's very difficult. It's really, yeah. but it, it's it's uh, rewarding. Like it's always rewarding working here. You see sadness. You see in the midst of all this. I've had people die, I've had people with cancer, and we've gone through it all, relatives of people dying. Today, somebody's aren't died just down here. Chief, we've, we get through it. Yeah. And we've had tough days, and we've had tears, and we've had laughter. Okay. Um, and that's how, we, that's how we run. That's how this factory works. Yeah. Tears and yeah. laughter, quite right. Yeah. Yeah. So how does it, being a family-run business, change the atmosphere, well, do you think? It makes an enormous difference. A, I'm in a position I can do things. I can yeah. make decisions, I don't have to hang about. I'm very proud. I'm 69. I've stood on that balcony up there since I have this call. And I'm very proud. I don't want this to go, and it won't go. I've got next generation. Here's one of them. There's, a, yeah. there's, there's my sons here, my nephew, my niece, my top. So we've got to go forward, and we're all positive about it. The family built up from the early 70s when we were struggling, my father was struggling. We built up reserve. That's carried us through this. Yeah. And, and it's our money's carried through. But the workforce are fantastic. They're very worried. I've had to put a notice about redundancies. I have to do that. And there will be some people, some are going voluntary. We don't want many. We don't, want, we don't know how many, but we're going to come through it. And uh, we've got a great workforce. They've got in, they're getting stuck in. And uh, yeah, we'll get through it. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll, 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 and, and thank you for your support, by the way. Well, any, pub, any publicity helps, basically, because okay, that's where yeah, we are. Yeah. But we're positive at the same time wary. I oh, think that's about it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You seem positive. You seem very upbeat about it. Uh, this gentleman here was very kind to me once when we, early days when he said to me you're the eternal optimist yeah you have to be whatever you do in life I faced no bigger challenge than this in my life but I've had plenty of challenges I started I got married young I started on a farm I started milking cows and, and you've got to be positive about life you've got to look we will come through this when I'm not sure I yeah. can't re- I can't let, I can't take another day of retirement because we're too busy and I've got to be here Fine. but we'll do it yeah and, okay. and I say to people I employ keep a smile on your face for goodness sake stay happy don't get there's days when I get mad I'm very principled but I'm very honest I'm very straight Fine. and we get on I tell everybody everybody in this workforce we work together it doesn't matter who they are I know them all and I'm down here and amongst them all the day Chase the same he's my factory manager yeah so we care about we help them through the difficulties it's all about knowing people working together and actually being positive it's so important so important absolutely Shay is the factory manager here and the real shoe dog of Crockett and Jones he's the Phil Knight of Northampton so Shay you're the you're the factory manager here yeah you're I'm told you're the real shoe dog of this operation the Phil Knight Northampton. Well, I've been doing it 30 years now, yeah. um, since I've been, work- been working in the shoe trade. I've been here for six years. Okay. I work closely with Nick, who you've just spoke to. Yeah. And what were you doing before this? Before, uh, before this, I, I relaunched a company in London, an old an old footwear brand yeah. uh, called Wildsmith. Yeah. And prior to that, I worked at another shoe company for about 23 years. Okay. Wow. And what's the difference here? What do you like about Crockett and Jones? It's, I was thinking that it's really difficult to put your finger on one thing. It's like a, it's a good recipe. You've got numerous ingredients, you know. So, I think when I first come here and I was, I was getting to know all the supervisors and people in all the different departments, and I was asking questions, you know, why do we do it this way? Yeah. The answer often was because we always have. Yeah. So, all, all these ingredients make up a, you know, a, re- a really good recipe and a good atmosphere. I think a family company is, is a nice place to work. Absolutely. So what are your, some of your favorite ever Crockett & Jones releases? What are your favorite all-time shoes? <laughs> well, I like a lot of shoes. So it's like, but Pembroke, Pembroke is a, a style that yeah. I like particularly. Um, 
I think I, if I was tall and as slim as James, I'd probably like Cavendish. Okay. But on me, perhaps that style wouldn't work so well. Yeah. Um, but Pembroke is a, is a nice style. Okay. Something that makes this company special is the last. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the variety of last we have and the fit um, are, are unbelievably good. If you look at the, for instance, the Cavendish loafer, um, from a technical viewpoint, it's the best loafer on the market. Yeah. We were downstairs earlier and there was a room filled with wooden bins, just filled up with plastic or, or wooden last. What, are they all old last that you're not using anymore? What, what do you do with them? It's like a library. Yeah, I mean, we've got thousands of last downstairs. Yeah. You're absolutely right, it's like a library. And you see the old wooden ones down there also. Yeah. So it's such a wide variety. They are predominantly all, all still in use. Wow. So we have, we have thousands of different styles here. And our, our made-to-order customers will work closely with Jonathan um, and James and William. And, and they'll come up with a style that's probably, you know, we haven't made for decades. And we'll bring that last back out into production, yeah. Amazing. And, and we spoke to Nick a bit before about the challenges of the recent couple of months. What have you found particularly difficult during this odd period? Well, being away from the factory was difficult. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's funny because we get so used to coming here day in, day out, and it, it, it is a routine for everybody. So I think for a lot of people it was like, okay, we're, we're at home and we, we don't have to go to work, and perhaps yeah. they were quite jolly about it for a couple of weeks. But after that, people start you know, losing their identity a little bit. And for me, being away from the factory was, it, it was difficult. I wanted to get back here. Um, being back, obviously people had some concerns initially. We had to come back and do a lot of work to reassure people. But we've took all the, you know, the government guidelines and procedures in place to make it as safe as possible. Yeah. Well, it seems like everyone's very happy to be here. Everyone we speak to, is very happy they will they've been here for 30 years so that's usually the best sign yeah it's a fantastic atmosphere in this yeah. company it's a family you know that family ethos goes right through the workforce really amazing what's the what are the kind of bits where you get really geeky about things attention to detail always looking to improve so something you know that is particularly close to my heart is seeing the young people here develop and learn mm. so i mean i got i got afforded a lot of opportunity when i was younger to work in different departments and yeah. learn and I think, you know, going forward, if we can teach people more and get them a greater understanding of what we're doing, then that will reflect in the products. Yeah, amazing. Thank you very much. Well, nice to meet you. We'll see you soon. Finally, we spoke to Jonathan Jones, the managing director of Crockett & Jones and, of course, a Jones family descendant. Jonathan gave us his view from the top. My question is how you found it in this in this difficult time. I mean you've you've just we've heard a lot about it now. But yeah. but but what's 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 it been like? Personally what's adjusting almost? to the uh, adjusting to everything and and running a factory that needs yeah. to have people in. Yes, well it's, it. It, yeah, as as everybody knows it was like um sort of sudden impact, you know, because we weren't really geared for it at all. So um, mm. you know, you suddenly switch into a lockdown end of March and then rethink everything yeah and, and i think one of the big problems was that a lot of people didn't anticipate the extent of the lockdown so it went on a far longer than we yeah. thought it because it was going to be um and and the follow-through so uh, the longer your lockdown the longer it takes to recover of course and um so you know you start from a sort of blank sheet of paper like how are we going to deal with this and um and then you start sort of addressing all the issues so in our case it's 
how we're going to deal with sort of loss of production for three months, uh, how we're going to restart, mm. etc. So to keep in touch with our customers worldwide because different countries were working on different basis. So yeah. whilst we were locked down for three months, some of the international countries were still going. Sweden was still going. Um, the Europeans locked down for months or two months, whatever. So we had to kind of keep an eye on the international export markets. And, and then the other big problem, of course, was the, the retail. Our retail shops mm. were all shut down with a huge headache over the fact that um, uh, the landlord's expecting full rent yeah. and no income, which was, uh, so we had a lot of time um, thinking about how we could, um, you know, deal with that problem. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was a sort of, uh, yeah, change the whole, uh, you, you were spending a lot of time on business matters that you wouldn't normally have to think about. Absolutely. And uh, diverts you from what you should be yeah. concentrating on. And which territories have done well out of it? Where, where is it still relatively stable? Well, I think the, the countries have had less lockdown have probably managed better. Mm. I mean, I always thought that Asia would, would come out a bit better and, and you can see from the GDP figures that they, they are doing and have done. Um, we don't do a lot in China, but the uh, Koreans are coping pretty well um, and um, the Japanese are yeah. coping very well. I mean, even though, the, the Jap- I mean, you, you would have thought Japan would have had the same problems as London, but no, I mean, they had a relatively short lockdown. Uh, the metro is running as far as I, I can see and, and our business in Japan has been far less affected it's still business is still significantly down but not nothing like the extent of london new york so uh thank goodness the japanese markings at least that gives a bit slight a bit of daylight of course yeah Mm. we've spoken to lots of your employees today the thing that struck me most is that so many of them have been here for sometimes decades yeah there's one chap who we didn't get to speak to had been here for 50 years yeah Why, why do you think people stick around for so long I mean, obviously, you know, in any business, obviously, continuity of employment is a key issue. We've mm. we managed to um, maintain pretty consistent um, working for the last sort of 30, 40 years. We've had a very little short time working. We had a bit of a bit of a hiatus back in the late 70s, early 80s. But yeah. I mean, since then, it's been pretty steady. So, um, and the shoe trade has always been very big in Northampton. So, um, a lot of people naturally came to shoe trade. Some of their parents worked in the trade before. So, it was a kind of a natural progression. And I guess um, uh, you know if you've got if you've got that kind of that kind of skill that's in the family, uh, if the industry's there, you know they'll they'll stick with it. But obviously they've got to feel comfortable in the working environment. So yeah, um, I mean whether it helps being a family business, maybe. I mean we've always I think we there's always been a good deal of respect between the family running the company and the employees. You know, and there's a contact. Yeah. Our business is not so big that you don't have you know that visibility. And my brother Nick, who's running the production, he's he's very hands-on, yeah. um, so very visible in the factory. So the, you, uh, I think, employee uh, skilled craftspeople they like that contact with the management. Absolutely. Uh, we don't run it from they don't like a lot of companies. You never see the management sitting in offices; they're too distant. Yeah, uh, and that disincentivizes the employees. You know, of course. Yeah, yeah. And you've been here almost all your working life. Oh, well, uh, yes, I suppose so, yeah. I mean, well, yes, more or less, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, since the, yeah, 18, 1918. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, yes, but um, doing a lot of different things in a business, of course. of course, yeah. And do you still have the same passion for for shoes as you did back then? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's it's a whole thing of interest, isn't it? I mean, you, you've got, um, it's not just shoes, it's the, it's the sort of contact with all the customers and the markets and mm. everything else and what's going on, because... Ultimately, it's. I think what's interesting is, yeah, it's, we make our own products, so that's that. There's, there's a sort of technical craft industry. Yeah. It's also the fact that uh, it's interesting working with high quality materials. 
you know, um, and it, you you build up a certain sort of knowledge and expertise in things like whether it be sourcing leather or shoe design, and yeah. of course the more you get into it, um, you know, the sort of the more interesting it becomes in some yeah. sort of way. So there's a sort of a there's a natural continuity, Absolutely. and you then want to pass that on to the next generation. Yeah. So although it's not you know, it's not like high-level engineering in, in uh, the, the the basic concept of construction relatively straightforward to comprehend. It's but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, skill in, the, in in understanding all the sort of natural variations and the human yeah. element and the and the sort of craftsmanship and all these things. You know, um, you're continuously learning. Even even you know you've been in business a long time. You know because we make it, we we develop, develop our own last. So yeah. Everything's very much done in house. So you you're putting your own personal stamp on it all. Um, the satisfaction comes out of seeing how things then sort of you know follow through into the with the consumer yeah. and uh, whether you whether they react to the things you're doing and whether you get a good feedback if you do then you know it, there's a natural progression there you yeah. want to follow through you know you keep that going amazing um, you know you build up a sort of you know because we don't we, James is doing a very good job obviously with um, with uh, building up the marketing of the brand worldwide but essentially we rely heavily on the key ingredients that's the actual product and, yeah. and, and respect for the brand and what we really stand for but a lot of people just naturally connect with that um, and yeah. that's always a good good thing to see and Absolutely. you get we get the feedback through the retail shops yeah uh, there's a lot of people they understand what, what we're about you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> amazing yeah. well long may it continue yeah. thank you very much Well, if you enjoyed that episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast, you'll almost certainly love the Gentleman's Journal magazine, the world's finest dispatch from the front line of luxury, entrepreneurship and style. In fact, lucky podcast listeners like you now get 20% off our annual subscription. Just enter the code POD20 at thegentlemansjournal.com to find out more.